Hi, I'm Lowell. I'm Aiden. And I'm David. And this is I Read the News Today. Oh, boy. We are not journalists. Pundits. Or lever operators. But we do read the news. And we are here to talk about the shit that's going on. Today is February the 8th, 9th, 2020. You know what? When I made the uh, show notes, it was February 8th. Well, that's fair. Yep. That <laughs> is fair. Weather. Maybe one more time. Oh. No. No, I think we're good. Are we in it? This is it? Yeah, this is it. We're in it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. I can't curse on podcasts. We're in the real life. So this is our now official start of season two of I Read the News Today, Oh Boy. We have a lost episode that might get to you at some point in, in, uh, <laughs> in the future. But in the meantime, we now have David joining us as a, a regular member of our team here. Hiya, folks. Welcome, David. Thank you. Pleasure to be seen. Heard. Uh, well, you sound like you're you're awfully far away. Uh, I I am. Where 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 is that sound? Uh, where is that? Where is the mellifluous sound of your voice coming from? So I I have now moved from New York, which is where you guys still are, and I'm now in the uh, Colorado Rocky Mountains, the old queen of the plains, Broncosville, Wall Street of the West, the Pinto Bean capital of the world. The what? Well, oh, that's, that's, that's Dove, Dove Creek. Creek. <laughs> We're on a Wikipedia <laughs> list of a uh, list of city nicknames in Colorado. Home of the uh, world's first rodeo. <laughs> really? That's that's Deer Trail, Colorado. I actually went to a stock show a couple weeks ago. And by stock show, I mean uh, bulls and cows mm. and things. It was fun. Today, we are also going to mix up the, the format a little bit. Our new segment, by that I mean just new name of our old Wikipedia segment, we're now calling Old News. Yes. So I do have some old news for you folks. And I put it there in the show notes. It's redacted. Yeah. So are we ready to open this thing? Um, Before I do, I want an answer from each of you. How many cats do you think you could eat in one year? (laughs) How many cats could I eat in one year? I want to one meal. What word you? What noun you just said? One meal. What noun did you just say, Lowell? Cats. Okay, I, I thought I might have heard hats. Um, I, I mean, I would eat my hat, but uh, that's only if pigs fly. Oh, that was bad. Um, moving forward. <laughs> so I'm not. How many cats do I think I could eat in a meal? Yeah. No, in a year. In a year. I mean, I think I could eat many. I don't think I'd want to eat one. I definitely don't want to consume the movie Cats yet again, so. Oh, see, this is where we, this is a, we, we differ very hard here because I would, I, I know. that movie I would consume We're, we're not going on a Cats tangent. <laughs> no, but I don't want to eat any cats, so can we just open this article now? <laughs> okay, I need, I need a hard, I need a hard number of what one of you thinks is a realistic number of cats. Uh, I mean... 25. That feels like a round number. That's about two a month. 25. Fantastic. I mean, there's uh, 365 days in a year, so multiply that by three. That That's how many I think that one could conceivably eat if you have a cat for every meal. You don't think that would get boring? I don't know if you can do that. Eat the same thing every day. All right. So I'm not sure how to pronounce this Wikipedia page. Uh, it's Terrare. Terrare? I think so. Okay. That is not what I've been saying. Terrare? So let's skip, let's skip over the entire intro bit. Okay. Because um, that's going to give away too much of the lead. Fine. So Terrare was born in rural France near Lyon around 1772. Okay. 
Uh, as a child, he had a huge appetite and by his teens could eat a quarter of a bullock, which I believe is a cow, weighing as much as um, his own weight in a single day. Okay. Quarter of a cow. That's a cow. That's yeah. hundreds of, I believe that's hundreds of pounds of meat. Yes. There's probably like a hundred steaks in a cow. Well, unless cows were smaller back then. Is this why you asked us the cat question? Or they're like small cows? Well, we'll, we'll get to we'll because get to I feel like I could probably eat about twenty. There is a hard a number of cats that somebody ate in a year. I really like this sentence that's coming up. For some years after this, he toured the country with a roaming band of thieves and prostitutes, begging and stealing for food before gaining employment as a warm-up act. To a traveling charlatan. And the traveling charlatan is what I want more information about, but that doesn't – that information doesn't exist. That's too bad. We've already skipped over the fact that there is a Wikipedia page for snake meat, (laughs) which features here in this paragraph. So we'll get there. So Terare would draw a crowd by eating corks, stones, and live animals and by swallowing an entire basket full of apples one after the other. (laughs) He would eat <laughs> ravenously and was particularly fond of snake meat. Wow. He appears to have been successful as a street performer. I would watch that. <laughs> um, but on one occasion, his act went wrong and he had severe intestinal obstruction. That tracks. Yep. Members of the crowd carried him to a hospital, which I could not even begin to try to pronounce, where he was treated with powerful laxatives. He made a full recovery and offered to demonstrate his act by eating his surgeon's watch and chain. <laughs> Wait, wait, now one moment, now one moment. Please finish that sentence, because gosh, does that little, does that little bit have a wonderful little payoff. The surgeon was unimpressed by the offer and warned (laughs) Terare that if he did so, he would cut Terare open to recover the items. (laughs) That's good. I'm just wondering, what impresses this surgeon? What kind of wonderful jaded life do you have to have that someone eating a basket full of apples followed by a watch and chain is an uninteresting act. It sounds more like he didn't want to lose the watch and chain. Yeah. So despite his unusual diet, Terare was slim and of, of average height. At the age of 17, he weighed only 100 pounds. Yikes. Um, when full, his abdomen would, quote, distend like a huge balloon. Ooh. His body was hot to the touch. That's normal. <laughs> and he sweated heavily and constantly had foul body odor. He was described as stinking, quote, to such a degree that he could not be endured within the distance of 20 patients. Wow. Um, could you, could someone read me the bit about his chronic diarrhea? <laughs> oh, Lowell, I think that's got you written all over it. All right, all right, all right, I'll do it. He had chronic diarrhea. And? Oh, and which was said to be <laughs> fetid beyond all conception. Oh, beyond good. all conception. I have a cup <laughs> of coffee here. Is this necessary? <laughs> <laughs> Fetid beyond all conception. So he joined the French Revolutionary Army. Uh, he would carry out tasks for other soldiers in return for a share of their rations and scavenge, scavenge on the dung heap for scraps as his rations were not enough to satisfy him. Wow. He would scavenge for garbage in gutters and refuse containers, eat the scraps of food left by other patients, and come and oh, this is after. So he um, he was hospitalized at some point during his military service. So he would eat the scraps of food left by other patients and creep into the apothecary's room to eat poultices. Jesus, that's insane. So at one point, they started experimenting on him to test his um, appetite. They gave him a large meal, eating the entire meal of two large meat pies, plates of grease and salt, four gallons of milk, and then immediately fell asleep. 
What's a plate of grease? Is that a common thing? Is that a French thing? It's like butter. What do you do with grease? I, I, I would is that where you like probably just lard? Do you probably just like warmed lard? Play with me in this space, lol. Do you like wipe it off? Like, is it like is well, it like a depository? I or is it additive? I would assume that it's a liquid. I would I would think it can be yeah sort of drinked or suckled up. Oof. Yeah, but it's on a plate. If you're gonna drink it, go on a chalice at least. Well, when you think of, I mean, you're a bu- you're a bougie grease eater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you can lap it up like a cat off of a plate. You're probably you're probably correct about the butter. Is there a Wikipedia page for Greece? <laughs> yes, but not it's linked to direct on this. you to a 1976 film starring John Travolta. Very well, Mike. It did. <laughs> um, so on another occasion, Terare was presented with a live cat. He tore open the cat's uh, abdomen with his teeth and drank its blood and proceeded to eat the entire cat aside from its bones before vomiting up its fur and skin. (laughs) No. He was Uh. later offered a variety of other animals, including snakes, lizard, and puppies. No. (laughs) He also swallowed an... What I really don't like, what I really, really, really don't like, he also swallowed an entire eel without chewing, having first crushed its head with his, his teeth. Oh. So he was soon put to good use uh, during his military career. Um, so he was used as a spy um, insofar that a document was placed inside a wooden box, which was in turn fed to Terare. Two days later, no. the box was retrieved from his excrement with the document still no. in legible condition. Oh, God, no. It was proposed that he could serve as a military courier carrying documents securely through enemy territory with no risk of being found if he were searched. I mean, even unless someone dissected him. Yeah, but that's that's not standard like response to finding someone you suspect is a spy. I mean, even if he completed his job, would anyone want to search him? Who got this job? Well, we'll get there. No, that's honestly the worst job. So he was ordered as his first assignment to carry a message to a French colonel imprisoned by uh, Prussians. He was told that the documents were of great military significance, but in reality, um, it was merely a note asking the colonel to confirm that the message had been received successfully. He crossed into Prussian lines under the cover of darkness, described, disguised as a German peasant. Unable to speak German, he soon attracted the attention of local <laughs> residents who alerted the Prussian authorities. Uh, a strip search found nothing suspicious on this person, and despite being whipped by Prussian soldiers, he refused to portray his mission. Brought before the local Prussian commander, he again refused to talk and was imprisoned. After 24 hours of captivity, he relented and explained the scheme to his captors. Uh, he was chained to a latrine, and eventually 30 hours after being swallowed, the wooden box emerged. Uh-oh. His Prussian captors were furious. It's a kind way to put that. What? It's a kind way to put that. <laughs> his captors were furious when the documents were retrieved and only were the decoy message. So he was taken to a gallows and a noose was placed around his neck. Um, Some sources state that the box was never retrieved, as Terare had the presence of mind to recover and eat the stool containing it before it could be seized by the Prussians. Okay. Which is a much more cinematic way to do it. Cinematic? I don't know who would want to film that, but okay. (laughs) Who directed Two Girls, One Cup? You're right. Because I bet he would he would be oh, really into goodness. it. And I know it's a he. I know for a fact a guy directed that. <laughs> You're right. There, there is someone who'd be willing to do this. Yeah, I could have uh, guessed that. So he ultimately was not um, 
He was not executed. He was taken down from the scaffold, given a severe beating and released near the French lines. So he returned to the hospital after he was released and uh, was desperate to find any cure possible for his appetite. So he was treated with laudanum without success, wine vinegar and tobacco pills, which were also unex- mm. uh, unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. He was later fed large quantities of soft-boiled eggs, but that also failed to suppress his appetite. He would sneak out of the hospital to scavenge for offal outside of butcher shops and to fight stray dogs for carrion in gutters, alleys, and rubbish heaps. Well, that's better than what he was doing to dogs before. Well, we'll, we'll get to something. So the, um, if you can read the last sentence there of the... Um, well, okay. So he was also caught several times within the hospital drinking from patients, uh, um, undergoing bloodletting and attending, uh, attempting no. to eat the bodies in the hospital mortuary. No. This is by far the most grisly thing you have brought <laughs> to this outfit. Let me tell you this. Yes. How did we get here? So you want me? Oh, no. Yeah. Can you read? Oh, I read the first five words. Can you read words. that bit? Oh, Jesus. After some time, a 14-month-old child disappeared from the hospital. No. And Torare was immediately suspected. His doctor was unable or willing to defend him, and the hospital chef chased him from the hospital, to which he never returned. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's for the best. How did we? This is well. This is a wild way to start season two. Let's just say that. <laughs> oh, it's gonna it, it, it's gonna get it's gonna get cool. It gets cooler. So he doesn't appear in the historical record for another four years. Um. Oh, the historical record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this global trendsetter, this real powerhouse <laughs> of the world sage, Terrare. <laughs> so he, um, the same uh, doctor that had kicked him out before was notified of a patient. It was Terrare. He was now bedridden and weak. Terrare told the doctor that he had swallowed a golden fork two years earlier, which he believed was lodged inside him and causing his current weakness. He hoped that the doctor could find some way to remove it. His doctor recognized that he had advanced tuberculosis, um, and a month later, he was dead. Uh, you, you skipped a part. But, uh, a month later, what happened? I'm not seeing oh, the bit that you A you're month from. later, Terari began to experience continuous exudative diarrhea, dying shortly thereafter, because somehow we couldn't yes. fit a second mention of diarrhea <laughs> into this Wikipedia page. <laughs> And then I'd like to I'd like to hear about the disposal of the corpse. Yes, um, the the corpse rotted quickly. The <laughs> surgeons of the hospital refused to dissect it. Uh, another doctor, however, Tessier, however, wanted to find out how Terrare differed from the norm internally. He was also curious as to whether the gold fork is actually lodged inside him. And at the autopsy. Terrare's gullet was found to be abnormally wide. When his jaws were open, surgeons could see down a broad canal into the stomach. Oh, God. You don't often think about humans as having gullets. Yeah. That's not like, I feel like that's not my typical association. Yeah. I feel like that's normally more of a, I think of frogs having gullets. I guess it's just another word for Uh, esophagus. That's what Wikipedia tells me. This guy had a gullet. This guy had a gullet. This is where it's about to get real gross. Yeah, could you, uh, his body was found to be filled with pus, his liver and gallbladder were all abnormally large, and his stomach was enormous, covered in ulcers, and filling most of his abdominal cal- cavity. The last line. It is one of the greatest yes. last lines in the history of Wikipedia. Lowell, would you yes, like the honors? Is, uh, no, I think, Aiden, Aiden, this is, this is really... You deserve this. 
So to round this man's life out, to, to, to finish the tale of Terari's life, this is how Wikipedia chooses to conclude this line. The fork was never found. <laughs> Jeez, this is, this is some madness. Uh, also, back to your question about cats. Yeah. Is, is there a number that you, you had in mind? So if you would click on the see also link there. Got it. So what is that one? Oh, Charles Domery, another soldier in the French army who exhibited similar symptoms. Yeah. Oh, God. No. Oh. Oh, in one year, Domery devoured 174 cats, not their skins, dead or alive, and says he had several severe conflicts of interest in the act of destroying them by feeling the effects of their torments on his face and hands. Sometimes he killed them before eating, but when very young, did not wait to perform his humane office. Oh, God. Wow. Okay. Well, this is, this is a lot of additional information on another person who had a very similar uh, uh, life. Okay, I, I would like to cover a couple of his highlights. Go ahead. Real quick. Oh, and I see something that I feel like we must cover. Let's see if you get there. Is it under military service? No, it's under experimental subject. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, so military service. By the age of 13, Domery had enlisted in the Prussian army and became part of an army besie- besieging a French town that I could not possibly begin to pronounce during the War, war of the First Coalition. <laughs> the Prussian army was suffering from food shortages, which Domery found intolerable. He entered the town and surrendered to the French commander, who rewarded him with a large melon, which Domery immediately ate, including the rind. He was given a wide variety of other foodstuffs by the French general, all of which he ate straight away. He was granted double rations and, using it, and used his pay to buy additional food whenever possible. He still suffered from extreme hunger. The 174 cats he ate in a single year... He preferred raw meat to cooked. His favorite dish was a raw bull's liver. He would eat any available meat. While in service aboard the French ship Hoche, a sailor's leg was shot off by cannon fire, and Domery grabbed the severed limb and began to eat it until a crew member wrestled it from him and threw it into the sea. He also ate the prison cat, at least 20 rats, um, prison candles, 16 pounds of raw cow's udder. Oh, Jesus. I would also wonder how many candles you think you could eat in a single year. Uh, none. Yeah, I kind of wanted to get to this part, too, because they kind of go over an experimental a day in his life when some doctors decided just to sort of throw a bunch of meals at him and see how much he could get through. I see you have this highlighted, Aiden. Would you like to bring us through this? So um, do you want the whole bit or just what I have highlighted? Oh, let's just kind of get through the highlights here. Okay, so at 4 a.m., Domery was awakened and fed four pounds of raw cow's udder, which was eaten without hesitation. At 9.30 a.m., he was given a meal of five pounds of raw beef, 12 large tallow candles totaling one pound, and a bottle of porter, all of which were consumed. I can only assume he ate the bottle as well. At 1 p.m., Domery was given another meal of a further five pounds of beef, a pound of candles, More and three candles. large bottles of porter, all of which were eaten and drunk. Over the course of the experiment, he did not defecate, urinate, or vomit at any point. What? So I might. <laughs> what? I, I, I might just talk about it. His pulse remained regular and his skin did not change temperature. Upon Domery's return to his quarters at 6.15 p.m. following the conclusion of the experiment, he was recorded as being of particularly good cheer and danced, smoked his pipe, and drank a further bottle of porter. No. Do they talk about his gullet at all? I don't remember <laughs> the gullet coming up. Uh, yeah, not really. 
but they they do say the cause of his appetite is not known. There and uh, there are other cases. So that's that is the French soldiers with voracious appetites that I have for you today. Although I believe uh, Charles Domery was uh, was was Polish, though he served in the he French. He was army. a French soldier. Yes, he was. He served in the Prussian and French armies. For he he served in the Prussian army against France, and then later served in the French army. <laughs> that those were some really rather gruesome and grim articles for us to start season two. Um, Thank you for bringing them to us, Aiden. At 25 oh, no, cats no. in a single year, you couldn't even touch Charles Domery. No, I couldn't. No. Uh, no. Uh, I am categorically refusing. Categorically? Categorically refusing to thank you for those articles. <laughs> this is maybe one of the most harrowing <laughs> 20 minutes of my entire life. I can agree with that. And on that note, Let's uh, go to our, our next section. Some some new news. Ah, uh, yes, our new section section. The new news. A new a new 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 new. Oh, we're gonna get sued by the Numa Numa guy. <laughs> That's some great tape. Anyway, Aiden, what are what are we talking about today? There was a, a caucus held recently in the Iowa, which I recently found out the birthplace of Ashton Kutcher. I think that we want to talk a little bit about a caucuses in general Cockeye. and be cockeye sure yeah well what we're yeah well, i mean what we're talking we're gonna let's talk about like the history of caucuses and then also maybe what the fuck happened yeah i mean what happened yeah, no, definitely what the fuck happened it, it was supposed to be a pretty straightforward day of really the start of uh the election uh cycle uh in in, in earnest start of voting at least now i will take issue I will take issue with this because no caucus has ever been described as straightforward day. Yeah. I, I, so I've been, I've been uh, saying to people who have asked me about exactly what a caucus is. I, I have described it as everything is made up and the votes don't matter. Yeah. To a middling response. As, as, as expressed here. <laughs> so, so the way I would describe it is, you know how in like elementary school, if people wanted to do different activities, the teacher would be like, okay, if, if you want to do this, go to this corner of the room. If you want to do that, go to that corner of the room, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's also so that, like, because if you had one kid playing with blocks on top of another child who was playing with, I don't know, a toy car, that would be chaos. Oh, yeah, but like, but if, if the whole class had to like choose a book for the teacher to read in kindergarten, you would like go to different sides of the corners of the room so that you could vote. That's pretty much what a caucus is. Yeah, I, no, it, it is. I think New Jersey has a far more monolithic education structure than your school did. <laughs> it's a very regimented <laughs> Yeah, we weren't given we weren't given much voting rights. <laughs> oh, I see. No, we, we we had we had some ability to to make some some choices in my school, I guess. We read red fish, blue fish pretty much every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not the most annoying Dr. Seuss book you could possibly read. Oh, it's not. When you're in 10th grade? Oh, well, that's... <laughs> you buried the lead there, bud. It's what in the biz they call a joke. <laughs> Generally, the thing that I was really the whole time very confused about was... Was it like uh, SDEs or something? SPEs? State Delegate, delegate Equivalents? Yeah. Yes, SDE, state delegate equivalents. Oh, well, before we get into that, let's real quick just run over what exactly a caucus is and how it 
works. The very most basic terms. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm taking from the stunned silence uh, that nobody knows what a caucus is. <laughs> I think we've kind of both sort of assumed you'd love to take the lead on this one. Oh, well, I looked up the Iowa caucuses. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Let me let me see if I can get a get a broad definition of a caucus. Do you want a broad well, definition? Yes. Well, I, I mean, I think I can kind of handle what the basics of a caucus are. It's in a certain way, it's a form of ranked choice voting. You can yes. kind of look at it this way. Yeah. yeah. So what essentially happens is rather than going to a ballot and picking like one, two and three or what have you. Uh, like you said, everyone, the entire community gathers in a room. Usually this is happening in a church or in a gymnasium. And or some dude's house in certain cases. Right. And so what happens is uh, – and there are, I, there are, I believe, two rounds of voting. So mm-hmm. the first thing that happens is each candidate that is running for office – and this, by the way, is for presidential caucuses. Apparently there are other state uh, office caucuses that happen at other points in the political calendar. The presidential candidates all have representatives within the room. And they have a set amount of time to try to get as many people to come to their section as possible. What then happens is at a certain point, a timer is called and there is a count that is done in the room. Any candidate who got less than 15 percent of the people who are in that room is non-viable. Exactly. We're considered non-viable candidates. And so all the candidates. That means that you can abort them. Yes. And, you know, perhaps some of them we should. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Roe v. Wade joke. No. Uh, I got it. Those candidates with who are considered viable, there is then a second round of voting when all the when everybody in the room, whether you were with one candidate uh, that wasn't viable or still with a candidate that was viable are then allowed to go. You know, you kind of get a temperature of the room with that first round and you can then go realign yourself on this second round of voting. Now, I thought that um, the the candidates that were declared viable, I thought their voters couldn't go to join another one. That I actually don't know. That I, I think that is the case. I, I'm pretty sure that that's the case from my reading as well. Yeah. I didn't see anything that specifically said that, but I saw things that specifically said that if your candidate is not viable, that's then you have the right to leave that candidate. But again, I didn't see yeah. something that specifically said the opposite, but I feel like what I saw implied the opposite. Uh, I assume, yeah, you guys saw, I saw you guys looking at some articles while I was talking. So I, I, I will defer to you, but I think here we're already seeing kind of a perfect example of some of the issues with the caucus, which is just how non-intuitive this process is. It's non-intuitive, but it is... I, I don't I think I think caucuses are stupid. Um, I think they're a stupid way to do to appropriate delegates for determining who your party's nominee will be. But the, there is an argument I think you can make. And I think we see like in the 2016 election, if you look at the results of the Sanders campaign yeah. uh, between primaries and caucuses, he did significantly better in caucuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think and that's largely because his base of support comes from people who are very dedicated to him mm-hmm. and they're very willing to participate in these Fun election performance art events. Well, I think, and, and, and that's actually a great way to put it. And also to kind of think about the people who are turning out for these things tend to be, you know, highly informed voters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who will take a night out of their week mm-hmm. 
to go do this. To go hang out in a church and for up to two hours. Exactly. Play 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 musical chairs with Bernie Sanders. Right. Yeah. So I, I think there's an argument that you could make that would drive civic engagement in a way that other ways of determining a candidate don't. Yeah, and I, I think that you can see that that in Iowa there is a, a a pride in the way that they do their elections and the fact that they have that first vote. Um, and you do see a lot of civic engagement because of that. The question is, is this pride, is the fact that Iowa gets this status within our elections reasonable. And well, it's not just Iowa, too. Several other states. Uh, I know Nevada is the next caucus. I think there's six caucus states, seven caucus states. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nevada is in just a couple weeks now. And New Hampshire, it doesn't have a caucus, but New Hampshire also gets a very powerful position because of when they come in the, the voting cycle, which is, I mean, it's interesting. I read an article by uh, Nate Silver saying that no one would care about Iowa if it didn't come first, and same with New Hampshire. And so, it, it, similar to swing states, there's a lot of emphasis put on the first states to vote in the primaries. And it's interesting that we put so much of our electoral capacity in very small places. Now, to and be fair, think- Iowa did have a primary. Go, go on. Iowa had a primary in 1916. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> there was only one. It was a treme- it was by all accounts a tremendous failure. They wasted many hundreds of thousands of dollars in the process. Wow. And also got low voter turnout. But interesting. it is interesting, especially because there are still uh, between so- six and ten people who attended that event that are still alive. That could be true. <laughs> but more to the fact that there are political power players in Iowa who still point to that primary as a reason for them to... To caucus. Right, exactly. Interesting. So I think there's an interesting uh, showing of inertia here, too. Uh, Let me ask you this. Are you cool with Coolidge? (laughs) I don't believe that was Coolidge. Uh, It wouldn't have been Coolidge. It's just an an old-timey political slogan I can remember. I think it was Wilson, actually. It would have been Wilson, yeah. I think we can use this uh, this as an opportunity to say, okay, so that's what caucuses are. What went wrong with this one? And so I, I think that it's a, a variety of things. For those who don't know, which I, I expect most people know, the results did not come, even as, as of recording this, on Sunday, February 9th, nearly a week after the, the voting, we still do not have an official winner of the Iowa caucuses. Although we have we technically have 100% of precincts reporting, the Associated Press still has not been willing to the final delegate to any, any candidate uh, because of irregularities. They're in the middle of a re-canvas which means a retallying of the votes. Well, I don't think that as of now they have started re-canvassing. I think that there are... No, they haven't even begun. Oh, I just didn't realize that they hadn't even started. I think Tom, I know Kerr, I think Tom no. Kerr has called for a re-canvass, but um, yes. um, they, I don't know that they actually did it. 
Tom Perez, who is the head of the National Democratic Party, called for a re-canvas. Three of the candidates, Warren, Sanders, and Buttigieg, have submitted evidence of inconsistencies, but they have not technically announced that they are going to re-canvas. Uh, that is, at the end of the day, up to the Iowa Democratic Party. Mm. The reason why we, we didn't... So on Monday night, the night of voting, we or the night of caucusing, excuse me, uh, we didn't get really, there was zero precincts reported um, because there were just so many issues. Do either of you want to handle the phone issue? Because I think that that's kind of the smaller issue and we can get that out of the way quick. Well, so yeah, I mean, uh, that was the hotline that the Iowa Democratic Party set up to report any issues with the caucus was clogged by pretty much internet trolls supporting Donald yeah. Trump. Um, and I think it and did. Did they trace it to 4chan? Yes, they did. Yeah, that's right. 4chan was was posting a lot of it was really constantly posting the phone number for reporting votes. And so there were a lot of people who were both calling in with prank calls, to try to clog the lines. According to the people who, who were running the um, phone lines, they said, yes, they got a lot of those calls, but they didn't think that that was really what the problem was. The big problem was that this year they tried to introduce a app for reporting the votes or the, the caucus votes. Um, and the app had major issues. And because of that, they had scaled back the number of phone lines they were going to have. And yet they probably got double the amount of calls because of the fact that they had so many technical problems. Um, Here's a fun fact. What's the name of the app? It is Shadow. And that oh, is no, the that's, most... that is, I believe that is the name. Oh, Shadow is the name of the company. The app is called Iowa Caucus App. One word. Oh, okay. Did, were you just checking to see if it's still available? <laughs> uh, it is not. I believe it is not a public app. It So it is not. It also, one of the biggest issues before any voting happened was that it was such a hard app to get onto your phone. You had to have access to it, and then you had to download it onto your computer. And then from the computer, you had to sideload it, which means basically just moving it from one for, from a main device to a, a smaller device like a... I was going to say like, that is not a direction of loading that I thought a computer could handle. Exactly. I didn't know that existed. It, I mean, if, if you remember the, the good old days of the iPod where you had to like download every all of your music onto your computer and then move it from your computer onto your iPod. For some That's of us, those good old days ended last year, Lowell. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> what was your final count? Uh, for those uninitiated, Aiden has had a... Uh, uh, let's not talk what, about that. What might be called a dubious <laughs> hobby. <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not uh let's not go over this. No, no, cut, get... cut, cut all of this. <laughs> it, Fine. It, it'll be cut. Um but yeah, so no, you you whatever had we to, want here. For, so for for this app you had to move it from your computer over to your iPad or whatever device you have, and then uh and you couldn't like it wasn't in an app store or anything like that because they were so late on the delivery of it that they weren't able to get it approved by the app stores. Could I get it on my Zoom? <laughs> Maybe. You then had a 
password, username, and a PIN that you had to put in in order to use it. But the biggest problem was the PIN that you were practicing with expired before the caucus. So you needed to then submit for a new PIN. And a lot of people didn't know that. A lot of the people running these caucuses just gave up very quickly. That's why, A, you had a lot of people calling in still. But then on the night, there was this realization that people who were submitting through this app didn't actually have the transmitted data didn't match the data that they had. So the, the very few people who were able to get far enough along that they were able to use this app, the data that was transmitted was bunk. Wasn't there one instance where Tom Steyer like won 100% of the votes in a county? Good what? for him. You know, he's, <laughs> he needs something to keep him going. I did not see that. <laughs> I, I think if, if I remember correctly, he... It was reported that he won an overwhelming majority of votes. He got 110%. (laughs) (laughs) He won Iowa and he also won Montana. I don't think he's going to win anything, but that's fine. Good for you, Tom Steyer. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, like the the crazy part of the crazy thing about this, this caucus, aside from anything else, was that. Pete Buttigieg was predicted to not do very well in this or anything else. And he turned out to potentially have won it or tied it with Bernie Sanders. It's very funny. I mean, he and Joe Biden almost pretty much literally exchanged places. Swapped. Yeah. It's impossible that that was fully error because at this point because we have enough data that we believe is consistent that Buttigieg definitely did much better than expected and Biden definitely did much worse than expected. The question at the end of the day is whether or not, uh, really more than anything, who who won the whole thing? Is it Sanders or is it Buttigieg? Although that, that doesn't matter too much in the way that they handle delegates in these caucuses. But yeah, I mean, in, at, at this point, is Buttigieg going to be ahead by... Thir- is, is he going to have 13 delegates to Sanders 12 or are they going to be t- or, tied at 13? Well, it, it, it could also be 14, 12. That's the other option. Yeah, it could. But, but either way, that's not e- a lot of delegates. Yeah, each one of them needs 1,990 delegates to win the nomination. Yes. So yep. Yeah, but uh, it does it does give both of them some amount of momentum going forward that uh, I was expecting, uh, honestly, I was expecting Biden was going to be far ahead of anyone else in this race going forward. Yeah, I, I would he assume will. he would do pretty well in Iowa. And I'm, I'm pretty surprised that, that Buttigieg did well, but I, honestly, I'm happy for it because I, I would prefer uh, him to be representing the more moderate end of the party than Biden. Well, to, be casting, to be casting down, uh, uh, to be looking down into the future, it's going to be a really interesting few weeks for the Biden campaign here because yeah. he – because he went into Iowa knowing he would not do very well in New Hampshire and yeah. doing poorly as a former vice president for the first two uh, in the first two big contests in this election is probably not the best place to be. Now, to, to, to loop back to the app a bit, I just want to talk about the development of this app. 
So it was developed by it, the, the CEO and COO worked on the Clinton campaign. Oh, they're going to they're going to be dead soon. Why? Because she kills people. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, God. Um, but they, they founded a company called Acronym. And so first off, Acronym is a weird name. What do they what do they stand for? Their thing is they are a nonprofit organization committed to building power and digital infrastructure for the progressive movement. Um, yeah, but I was asking if, if like their name was an acronym for anything. Oh, I, I understand. So what's even worse is they have an affil- affiliated super PAC. Can you guess what its name is? Pacronym. It is. Oh, Wait, that'd be great. Is it that? It is that. I, I want to make it very clear. I did not know that. <laughs> it, is, it is Patronym. <laughs> God. Look, you know what? When you're clever, you're clever. Well, Patronym is nothing. In January 2019, they invested in Shadow, which is a tech company focused on enabling organizers to run smarter campaigns. So the, the big issues with this, this app, I, and looking at their website, I don't know how anyone went, went for this. They, Iowa spent $50,000 on this app, which might sound like a lot of money, but for, for app development, that is mission critical for a, a major election and needs to have great encryption. That is nothing. That is not enough money to be spending on that. They should have spent like the last month or so in crunch time, right? Well, yeah, sadly, um, for, for, tech companies that is probably what would happen but they also it was completely untested they they didn't spend money on encryption instead what they wanted to do was what's called security through obscurity they didn't let anyone try it they didn't they did a very bad job of of testing it and i mean the department of homeland security didn't get to see it no one in our government got to see this thing iowa hardly got to see it and so that's that's really, in my opinion, not a good way to to have a high level app. And here, I personally think is one of the big where you really start getting to the the one of the heart of the issues as to why caucuses as a system are so problematic. At least certainly the way that we that that we do them. The New York primary is run by the federal government. The Iowa caucus is run by the Iowa Democratic and the Iowa Republican Party. So they are essentially independently run uh, and makes it less of a, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but that does not fill me with hope. In what in what sense? That it's not a uh, that it's not centrally regulated. The fact that they can go and choose to do try to execute this thing. Through an untested app, I don't think would happen oh. if we were using, you know, if the you know the well, federal they are well, they may be federal. They I believe they do get money from the federal government, but they are still largely under the control of the state. Yeah, I mean to get super sort of um, like like the the structure of our government like heavy. What is the alternative? Like, there's no there's no mechanism in the U.S. government that provides for telling political parties how they can select their nominees. No, and that's no. – look, you're absolutely and totally correct. Yeah. And in, in my opinion, it, it shouldn't be. You have to squint really hard to find the term political party in the Constitution at all. Yep. 
<laughs> that's just because John Adams wrote it in real small as a note to himself. Yeah. It's an Adams dig. Yeah. Why, why an Adams dig and not a Jefferson dig, who was also instrumental in creating political parties in our country? Adams comes first alphabetically. Fair enough. You make the point. Which is how I think of the founding fathers. <laughs> of all of all presidents, actually. <laughs> I, I do want to say, why would you call it shadow that is sketchy as all hell? Um, That's how the Clintons roll. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Many of the people who are working for the company were people who worked on the 2016 Clinton campaign. Yes, and and not to say that that's fair, but that it that's the reference. Th- that is the reference. They should all start picking out coffins. <laughs> Yikes. Oh no. Um but the other thing about about Shadow is that it, it, or or this whole thing is related to the Clinton campaign. This has increased tensions between the Bernie Sanders campaign and the Democratic Party, and Bernie Sanders has said that if he gets uh, elected president and his representatives to be in control of the Democratic Party, he will make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. And he's really talking about very much restructuring the party at this point, which is, you know, uh, it's definitely questionable as to the capability of, of the party, especially in Iowa, because what, what we haven't mentioned yet is I, I haven't really looked into what the issues were, but there were issues in reporting in 2016 and in 2012. Uh, so this is far from from uh, a, an isolated incident. And the Iowa Dem- Democratic Party really needs to look at how it is functioning. They do. And one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit is how much this plays right into Donald Trump's hands. Yes. Because he, I think he sent out a tweet the morning after. Yep. Saying something to the effect of, like, they can't run a caucus and they want to run the country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, it really is. I mean, uh, there was an article that we read entirely about about Donald Trump's reaction. And, and yeah, that article was from Friday of him continuing to take digs at the caucus chaos. Yeah. DM. I think that we've pretty much covered it. It's a comedy of errors really in, in this caucus. And it, the fact that a, a week later, we still don't have a final victor. We've we're about to get into the, into New Hampshire without an absolute tally in Iowa. It, it, and I, I read a lot of articles, um, uh, especially, uh, uh, 538 articles that were talking about how this really skews in a lot of ways the entire political system that we have because of the fact that we we are reliant on Iowa to set the speed for the rest of the the primaries and it's it's kind of difficult to know what's going to happen next because of how chaotic this was to stay on 538 for a moment on their politics podcast uh i believe last week someone mentioned the fact that if there were another democratic country that had caucuses as part of their electoral system we would be calling for international investigations into that country's democratic process. Absolutely. That's absolutely the case. So what is the alternative? So why do these states feel so beholden to this older format? 
Well, I think tradition is a, just a, a yeah. huge part of it. I would assume so too. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's also, I think that it's also that, you know, having, having polling stations in rural areas is not as easy as it sounds. So when you're doing it this way, it does give it a little bit of, a little bit more ease to, as, as Aiden said, sometimes these are done in basements and things like that. So if you're in a rural area, it is much easier to have caucus where you just report everything altogether. Then it's, it, you need more infrastructure for a primary, I think. Yeah. But yeah. That that I is, think that's it. I that think that's all, all I have to say. I think that we didn't even mention Armenia, Azerbaijan, Georgia, and Russia. Why would we? Are those where the Caucasus Mountains yes, are. Very good. They're where the Caucasus Mountains are. <laughs> uh, well, with that, I think that it's time for us to take a little break. Hello and welcome again to season two of I Read the News Today. Oh boy. As we said, a lot has changed since we last released an episode. I, for example, am now all the way on the other side of the country in Colorado from where I was in New York, which is also why the audio quality for this episode really doesn't match previous episodes as we're starting to adjust to our new recording setups. So please bear with us on that as we fix that for future episodes. Uh, A lot of exciting things happening, including David now joining us as a co-host. And we uh, have a lot planned for this season, and we're really excited to see what comes up this year in the news. So please subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play and rate us and review us. And you can also reach us on Twitter at NewsOboy or by our email, newsoboy at gmail.com, where you can send us weird and funny news articles. And if you do so, we'll mention you right in this segment on the show. And if we really like the article, we might get a chance to use it. Speaking of I really wanted to make sure that we thank Woodrow Proctor, who sent us a question near the end of last year. Thank you so much for sending it. And thank you, everyone who's been listening. And tell your friends and enjoy the rest of this episode and have a great week. Which one are we doing? I'm going to give you guys a choice on this this weird article. Uh, So this is our weird news section. Do you want to talk about a... Japanese village that grows epic rice paddy art to boost tourism, or yeah, ah, the visual or article. a uh, very <laughs> like this. This happened right before we started recording. This is British Airways smashes record for quickest subsonic flight. I mean, is there weird? Both in that? of them are. Neither one is like super weird. I think the rice paddies feels more in line with the other stuff we've done. Okay. Cool. Go for rice. Go for rice. Yeah. Oh, I will say those are these are beautiful. These are beautiful. So I, I let me just very quickly tell you what happened in the in the other one. So there, the airplane was uh, being basically being chased by by a storm, and because of that, they topped they topped speed at eight twenty five uh, miles per hour, and they like made it wait you did not 
made it in five hours. I was just going to quickly tell you what the other one was. All right. So now we've got the rice patties. You did not tell me that pers- you did not tell me that Poseidon himself was pursuing this yeah, plane. Per- Poseidon himself is pursuing this plane. <laughs> now we're stuck what? with rice fields. Yeah, we can go. We we can. We can skip over the rice, rice fields. Rice the rice fields, fields are beautiful. I think that's all you have to say on that. Let's talk about Poseidon pursuing this game, this plan. Okay. Okay, tell me more about this plan. You you, you held out some important information. So, uh, the it is the fastest ever subsonic flight between New York and London, reaching a top speed of more than eight hundred miles per hour. Had a um, a storm Ciara had shut down most most flights into and out of Europe. And it, and sadly, this flight had already taken off from New York. Uh, and, and so they couldn't... They were like, are we going to reroute this? No, the storm is now behind you. You really can't reroute now. So they, they had to chop off two hours from their normal flight time. The, the average time it takes a plane to fly between London and New York is six hours and 13 minutes. Okay, but there's a few things that we do need to dig into. First of all, who was it that reported this? Because while I believe we're reading this on CNN, a Twitter bot, <laughs> I believe, spotted this. A Twitter bot that called Flight Radar 24. Yes. Why do you think that's... Oh, oh because it's, it's, yeah, it, it tracks flights. flights. For what reason? I guess that it's a bot that you can go to if you're like, where's, where, where's my flight? Because <laughs> this feels like it's golden 15 minutes, right? Like this is, this is the reason it exists. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't imagine it gets much traffic from anyone else. So why did Poseidon pursue this plane? Poseidon pursued this plane? Yeah. So who <laughs> uh, wronged this god that sent uh, this that storm a pace? Is it some sort of like Noah situation? Uh, no, not Noah. Who's the guy? Jonah. Yeah, you're really, you're really confusing. Jonah. <laughs> Jonah. That's Actual the guy. Flight time. So, so average flight time is six, six hours thirteen. Sh- Actual flight time four hours and fifty six. Which is. Did the captain say anything? That's a good question. Did anyone notice? I I, I wonder if uh, if the captain had any. Uh, had an announcement saying, hey, by the way, we're going to go like twice the speed we usually go. This ancient bacoral being <laughs> actively pursuing us with the winds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the story. Uh, we, we, do we want to riff on this? Well, there was a, I, I did, I actually read a cracked article earlier in the, uh, earlier in the week yeah. about how planes aren't like, we, we really can't make planes any faster than they already are. Really? Why? Too heavy. Heavy. Not so enough, if we, not, if not, go, not enough flapping. If they go faster, and this is all science words that yeah. I don't know. I have um, a guess why. They would push planes into something called the trisonic range. Okay. At those speeds, planes hit maximum drag, and that's exactly as dangerous as it sounds. Yeah, so, so it's pretty much just that air resistance is what stops them from going any faster. So if you go faster than that, but you can go faster than that, which would create a sonic boom, well, which people on the ground tend not to yes. like. Is that when, like, the wig falls off? What? The sonic boom? Yeah, is that when the wig falls off and the dress from the maximum drag? Oh, God damn it, David. Oh, God. 
you son of a bitch. I'm just asking, like, where's Rue and all this? Absolute son of a bitch. <laughs> the maximum drag. Very good. Um, I'm just saying, that would make me start watching Drag Race again. All right. I, I think that... Um, I think that that kind of wraps it up for for this episode. I think that we uh, we have to we have to close things out here. So uh, yeah, I, are we ready for for the that one last headline to to bring it all home? Hit me with it. All right. Who wants to That's... who wants to click and read? I got it. You can get married for free at Denny's this Valentine's Day. That's a chin scratcher. <laughs> Are they one. the Grand Slam ones? <laughs> what? But then you fresh? get the moon over my hammy. <sighs> my God, David. <laughs> I've been David. <laughs> I've been low. And I'm Aiden. And I'm, I'm still Aiden. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's the news for this week. Well, roared lion, well shown moon. Good night and good news. The Mary Tyler Moore Show.